Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child through the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. Today, I have a special guest on the podcast to share with you. Gertrude Mueller Nelson, the author of To Dance with God, has joined us on the podcast to speak about how the domestic church, the family, can live into the season of Lent. And then next episode, she's speaking about how to live into the season of Easter. And she is full of so many really unique and beautiful ideas to share with us about really breathing in and out this season with our families. I hope you enjoy. Gertrude, welcome to the Good Shepherd in the Child podcast. I'm so happy you are here with me. It's good to be here. Thank you for asking me. (laughs) Gertrude, would you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you are involved with Catechesis of the Good Shepherd? Well, I first learned about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd in 1959. If you can imagine, a sweet nun came to the school that we were, had opened all of Montessori with in those days in Connecticut. And I thought, this this is the way to teach religion. And I did teach religion at this school, which went all the way through the eighth grade. And, and it was wonderful. And I have taught parents, perhaps more than anything, about how to live the church year at home. It's one thing to have it in the church, but we need to to underscore it. It has to be a part of who we are. Carl Jung, the psychologist, uh, psychiatrist, Swiss psychiatrist, said years ago, he said of all the people he worked with, that the people who lived the joys and the sufferings, the fastings and the feastings of the church year were the ones who were the healthiest psychologically which I think oh, wow. is just very interesting Yeah, that's because it makes sense. I mean, have people not always cared about seasons and the changing of seasons? Or are you not all longing right now for spring to come? And it's this mm-hmm. between ice and snow and the first dandelion. We <laughs> celebrate these things and we do it with as, as a community and then mm-hmm. as family units. Anyhow, I've been interested in that kind of thing for a long time. I was raised very much with that. Both of my parents were very liturgically minded. We we came from Germany. It was a way of being. And my mother wrote several little booklets that became very famous on this subject. But then as I grew up and had kids of my own, I realized it needed even more expansion. And so I wrote a fatter book. about the whole thing and included my experiences in parishes and in my own family. Growing up, I I knew what was absolutely brilliantly right about it. And some people nowadays like to call it Celtic spirituality, but, you know, it's Mm. just human spirituality. But it's the roots of our Christianity. Right, right. I think the fact that the seasons, both nature seasons and liturgical seasons speak to us and fill us in such a deep way speaks to God and how he knew that this 
was going to fill us. He knew that living out like a breathing in and out, a sleeping time and a living time, you know, like there's just such a rhythm in nature and in all the seasons, both liturgically and nature wise, that you can see like the breathing of God. Exactly. And it's so beautiful that it, like you said about what that doctor said that it, you can see healthy people in it whenever we live into this breathing Precisely. a little bit. Precisely. You, you see the wisdom of God in that. He knew that we were such sensual people, that we were such, we needed to have seasons. Like even in our life, like, you know, we have seasons of, of joy and seasons of sorrow yes. and seasons of um, feasting all and of those things. Fasting. It's just, it's, and, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, all so there. And, and you know what's so interesting, Carrie, is that, We always think of, well, heaven is the big lollipop in the sky that we get if we behave ourselves here in this veil of tears, right? You know what? Heaven isn't in a different zip code. Heaven and earth are of a piece. We've divided them. And Mm. we've forgotten that parts of heaven are available to us all the time if we're open and alive to them. And so this is about being open and alive and affixing our daily lives to the mysteries that God provides us with. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think just like with all of our work with Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, the children do this so much better than us. Well, they are with God. They are, they haven't separated yet from God, you know. They have a natural, they have a natural sensibility to the holy, and it's only later, when the so-called age of reason comes, that they begin to separate themselves from it. And we're trying to teach them to be smart, intellectual, read, do math, all of that head stuff. Good, we need to, but let them play in the mud, let them make yeah. mud pies. Let them splash <laughs> in the rain. Let them pick dandelions. Let them climb Let hills. them be cold. Let them be hot. Yes, exactly. You yeah. got it. Yeah. Okay, so I can't believe that it's almost Lent, but it is. It is. And so I would like to really dive into the practical with you uh-huh. on how can we live into this season that's coming up of Lent and Easter. I really love your book, To Dance With God. I've had it for a long time. And so it was such a gift to explore it again, to prepare for this conversation with you. But I think what I like the most about your book, Gertrude, is that it's not just a list of ideas. Uh Like you really do such a beautiful job of getting to the heart of seasons and um, that make you want to live and breathe into them a little bit more. Great. That's exactly what we need to do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) okay so help me dive into before we can dive into lent we have to have one weekend of the opposite we have a crazy time called carnival or mardi gras and it's world over all by all different names fushing fastnacht uh, all those names it's like if we're gonna dive into lent well, quick, before that comes, let's be foolish. Let's be silly. Let's, let's party. Be, um, <laughs> let's overeat all the things that we know. We have to <laughs> curb in a few days. And we make masks or silly hats or we dance or we put streamers on the 
uh, over the over the dining room table, uh, and we play silly games, and we then talk about what's coming up. What is this Fat Tuesday stuff? What's this fat stuff going on? It's because in the old days you had come down to the bottom of the big barrel of fat that you had saved. And so we didn't have, now we were going to use up the last of those stores because it happened naturally, because that was what the season was. Let's clean it up and let's get with the season and be a little more austere. Hmm. And so as a family, first be goofy, be crazy. (laughs) You know, eat donuts. In fact, look what, find out what your great grandmother cooked for this season. Mm. Find out online what your heritage is. See what they made. There are all kinds of traditional, delicious things that were fried in deep fat that went (laughs) with Mardi Gras. So now we got to talk about that word, Alleluia. Mm. which the church sings for the very last time for six weeks. Alleluia, which is like yippee and yay. Mm. And we can do that at ball games, but we also need to do it at home. And we, if you know some songs to sing, we knew rounds and all that. And we'd sing all the alleluias we could. And in fact, that church we would have a Mardi Gras and we would end it with everybody singing all the Alleluia's they could. And there was a big banner with Alleluia on it and everybody had decorated it with butter, butterflies and flowers. And we rolled it up and we brought it to the columbarium and we buried it. Mm. And then we took our masks and our hats and we had a fire. And I remember one little boy was a little tiny guy was in his grandpa's arms and it went silent. He said, Grandpa, sing Happy Luya again <laughs> because he understood. And then he saw how we went into silence and we burned those silly things that we had on and we burned the palms that we had from last year. And we saw these are the ashes. And you can do this if your parish allows it, but you can do this at home too. Mm. Go out to where you barbecue and burn up some of the things, maybe on a slip of paper, the things that you that you do, like eating between meals. Maybe you're not going to do that anymore. And grown-ups are going to have a parallel Lent right along with the children, but they're going to be a little different because Lent is pretty tough and it's pretty Mm -hmm. adult, but it doesn't leave children out. And it should be tough for parents. And children should see that their parents are celebrating this too with their whole hearts. And then in silence, you all go to bed. You've decided as a family how you're going to be different mostly in your eating during this season to come. The adults aren't going on a diet. No, it isn't for the ego. (laughs) This is really for the soul. Where have we been excessive all year long? Where have we 
where we have we eaten because we're not dealing with our emotions? Where have we eaten the wrong stuff? Why have we filled our cupboards with snack foods that aren't good for us? How do poor people eat? In poor countries in Africa, what do you eat? Do you know how to make lentil soups and bean soups? Do you know how to make things that are healthy for you? Are you going to make a difference with these meals? Is the quality of our food going to finally be fruits and veggies and nuts and seeds? And are we going to get rid of all the ways we spoil our appetites for a proper dinner? How would our family meal together be improved if we saw ourselves as privileged? And how might we transform what is excessive in our eating into a savings to give to the poor? You can have a jar in the middle of the dining room table that you've put a sign on that the fasts of the rich are the feasts of the poor. And that what we sort of have been eating mindlessly and have now given up is going to make some extra savings for the poor for whom eating is a problem. What else can we fast from? It's not just giving up a glass of wine or giving up ice cream. Giving up is really about giving to, transforming what we have set aside into something right. How can we fast? Can we fast from having a messy bedroom, not making our beds? Can we put a dime in that jar for every bad word? Or for leaving our clothes all over the floor? Or for not doing our chores? Or emptying the dishwasher? Or wasting water by letting it run? You know your kids and your family traits. Adults aren't exempt from contributing to that jar either. Mother Earth, the very creation under our feet, it gives us what we need. How can we become more conscious of giving back what we take from her? Let's start learning about composting, about recycling, about not wasting paper, about food, not wasting food, about resources, about overbuying stuff that we don't really need. Lent is long, six mm. weeks long. So I would say cut it up into six different weeks with a different theme for each week, for a refreshed mm. theme to make right what wasn't so good last week. How can we improve that this week? Are we getting someplace? Are we making progress? With small children, it's fun to do this either in the atrium or on the school hall or even at home. You can make a freeze with shelf paper with the children. Okay, um, it can be shorter at home because you may not have a wall that long. But either it's an Alleluia banner that you made during Mardi Gras, which can mm -hmm. be unfurled on Easter night. Or you can take a long, make a long line across the frieze in the middle, and below it is the soil. We just sang ashes, ashes. We are ashes. We're going to be ashes again. But we're not nothing but ashes. Ashes is dirt. Ashes is, become soil. We become soil again 
wow, this Mother Earth, we enrich it. And so below that line, the children can make soil. What's good about soil? You can't grow anything without good soil. We forget. We run and we buy plants and we plant them and we hope they're going to do well, but we use old soil, depleted soil, and it doesn't work and we give up gardening. Let's make soil. The kids can draw it. What makes good soil? They can put, they can draw it. They can put earthworms and bugs and all kinds of things on it for one week. And then they can go, they can even write over the top of it, Lent means spring. Okay, and in that soil, they can draw all the things they want to draw. And then in week two, they can draw in bulbs and seeds that will sprout and roots and tendrils that come down from it. Okay, um, in week, week uh, three, they can they can draw those bulbs and seeds. Week four, they can let them begin to sprout up, reaching for sunlight now. Make a sun in the sky because the lengthening of light is connected to the word Lent. It means new life has a need to reach up and into the light. But we also learned that the dirt was important that it was good, that ashes are good, that we contribute to the making of this soil, that it's holy. Not everything is flowers. First, it has to start in darkness. And mm. in darkness, we learn to wait for what is new and what is becoming. So we learn to love that dark place, that mysterious place where things are happening that we can't see. And then in week five, start drawing stems upward, coming out of the soil and give them leaves. And by week six, they can all be glorious flowers and beans and berries and whatever's glorious. This is Easter. This is new life. This is the fresh life that we've built up in our hearts. By the way, it's not Lent on Sundays because Jesus changed Sunday into a holy and joyous day by rising from the dead on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. So on Sunday, we don't need to fast so hard. Maybe we can use those Sundays better than we have in the past. Really make them the day of the Lord. Mm. When Palm Sunday comes, in parts of Germany and the Netherlands, it's traditional to make little bread dough birds. And whatever is indigenous to your landscape, instead of palms, which we have to import from Florida, <laughs> that's silly. What do we have? What's pussy willows are usually up about this time. Find them. Find things that are starting to bloom and bring those for your so-called palms. Mm -hmm. And those little... Bread chicks, some people stick them in there as the tails. And mm. some on a stick spread them around the bottom of the chick so it sits in a nest of flowering pussy willow things. And mm. those were brought to the church. And they were blessed. And they were carried and held during the reading of the Passion. When Jesus looked at Jerusalem and said, wept, O Jerusalem, 
how I wish I could be like a mother hen and put you as chicks under my wings. What a motherly, loving thing. And so those chicks come. And here it is, the hen before the egg, the week before Easter. And then after, after Eucharist, everybody shares those buns together and says, Happy Palm Sunday. We used to have a huge increase at church suddenly on Palm Sunday because they all knew we were going to have Palm Sunday chicks afterwards. All it is is bread, but what a gift. So either they can be made at home as a family so that each one in the family has one. You might have the kind of parish priest who would say, I get it, and would allow that to be an entire thing in the parish. But at home, do it, and then go from room to room in the house and leave a little bit of your palms over the door here and there and ask for a blessing on this house of yours. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. I have a link in our show notes to Gertrude's book, To Dance with God, if you are interested in getting a copy so that you can look at all the ideas that she has about all the liturgical seasons and how you can live into them as a family. I strongly recommend this book. In our show notes, I have recommendations for other books for parents. Um, Our top books are always The Good Shepherd and the Child, A Joyful Journey, which speaks to the zero to six-year-old child, and then Life in the Vine, The Joyful Journey Continues, which is for the six to 12-year-old child. These books are the ones we top recommend for parents, so get yourself a copy of those. I also have a list of different episodes past podcast episodes that you might be interested in to continue to explore being a parent within this work of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We even have some podcast episodes that go with some of the chapters of each of those books. We also have an audio version of our main text, which is The Religious Potential of the Child by Sophia Cavaletti. So if you would like to purchase access to the Podbean premium channel that gives you access to all the chapters of The Religious Potential of the Child in audio format read by Rebecca Reutsevich. I have all the information on how to do that in our show notes. As part of our new season three, we have a new feature where you can submit questions to us. Um, our listener, podcast listener questions. And so I have a link in our show notes for you to be able to access that form. If you have any questions about anything to do with catechesis of the Good Shepherd, um, formation, books, a specific issue within the atrium, whatever, please submit a question. We would love to address it on the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. If you would like to know more about the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to support our work by becoming a member and accessing all the benefits of being a member of our association, go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for listening this week. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.